subscribe. Pressbox Banter is the Daily Iowans weekly sports podcast. Each episode, we will talk about local, national, and international sports, host a special guest, and talk predictions for upcoming games. This week's episode features 33-year-old transfer student Billy Stoinoff, who is studying sports and rec management and is a huge fan of Hawkeye sports. It was recorded on Sunday, September 24th, after the Iowa football team's loss to Penn State. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Press Box Banter. I'm a returning host, Kenna Roaring, the sports editor at the Daily Iowan. I am Colin Votsmeyer, the assistant sports editor. And today, in lieu of Matt being at Penn State, he's probably in Charlotte's, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina right now. We have. My name is Cooper Worth. I'm a pregame reporter here for the Daily Iowan. I'm glad to, glad to be here. All right. Well, first, we're just going to talk about the embarrassment that happened yesterday. Iowa at Penn State. 31 to 0. Uh, I think an all time low for the offense. First time we've gotten shut out since 2002. Oh, I thought it was 2000. Oh, yeah, 2000. I wasn't right. even alive yet. You're, you're right. It was 2000 versus Illinois, which also ended up 31 to zero. Um, it was brutal to watch. I just have a few few mind-boggling stats here. First downs: Penn State had 28. Iowa had four. Total yards: Penn State 397. Iowa 76. Offensive plays: Penn State 97. Iowa 33. And Penn State had the ball for 45 minutes, 27 seconds. Iowa had the ball for 14 minutes, 33 seconds. And got this uh, stat from David Eicholt. In Iowa's last 19 games, they have been held to 10 or fewer points more times than they have crossed the 25-point mark. Kirk Ferentz said after the game he doesn't really have – this is the quote. I don't have a concern level, if that makes any sense. You're right. It doesn't make any sense, Kirk. Yes, I mean, from just what the game, it, it seems like there's a lot to be concerned about. Um, you know, there's a lot to unpack some of the stats you just mentioned, Kenna. But what were what were kind of what do you think is the biggest uh, reason why Iowa lost um, so badly yesterday? The offensive line. Um, I mean, it was just awful. Uh, the first three weeks of the season. You know, last week, especially against Western Michigan, our run game was good, and it looked like the offensive line, you know, had gotten better from the beginning of the season. Uh, last week, or yesterday, Saturday, was just totally everything else that had gone right the past three games. Everything went wrong. Cade, I mean, you can't really blame Cade. He went, like, 5 for 14. I don't know, something bad. Um but he barely had any time, and when he did have time, he made bad throws and bad decisions. But, I mean, he was just getting killed back there. Our O-line was just getting manhandled, and our D-line was also getting bullied the whole entire game. But you can't really blame the defense for giving up 31 points. It was 10-0 at halftime, and all 10 points were off of our turnovers. And 
really Iowa lost this game because of self-inflicted, you know, penalties and mistakes. Uh, we gave ourselves – Iowa gave themselves a fighting chance going into the second half, but the defense was just on the field for so long. Like, you can't blame them for getting tired. Um, there's really not much you can do. Iowa can't keep depending on their defense to win games. Right, and, you know – Penn State's defensive line is definitely pretty uh, pretty talented, too. You know, like Carter Jacobs, Bill Carter. Um, but at a certain point, giving three up three sacks, um, kind of – you have to give the offense a little chance. Uh, and, yeah, I just thought the offensive line wasn't really giving uh, McNamara much to much to work with the, uh, the entire game. So, And you think that's more because of the environment of the wideout game or just the – you know, just the superior, superiority of the Penn State defense. I think it's the superiority of Penn State's defense, but also just Iowa's fundamentals and the scheme that they run. I mean, Brian Ferentz, he was an O-line coach before he came offensive coordinator. Kirk says that his specialty is in O-line. Then we have Barnett, the actual O-line coach. So we have three people that say that, you know, their specialty is in the offensive line, and it's been the worst position on the team for the past however many years. I mean, in 2016, the offensive line won the Remington Trophy, best offensive line in the country. Um, 2015, we went undefeated, 12-0. and And we, Iowa's always had a solid running game, but we've seen that, you know, completely disappear the past, the past few years. Um, I don't know if it's a Barnett problem. I don't I mean, just the fundamentals seem to not be there. Technique, I don't know. I, it's just concerning. Iowa football is like playing golf, okay? Now I'm about to explain this for all my listeners out there. I'm serious. I'm serious. When you play golf, one day your putts are on, you're driving the ball really well, but then you can't hit your irons. The other day you're putting terribly, but you hit your irons really well and you, you drive really poorly. That's like Iowa football. Like Western Michigan, we were getting dogged. They were getting dogged in the first half on defense. It shouldn't have even – they shouldn't have scored as close to as many points as they did. And the offensive line was great. How many yards did we rush for? Like 250. Exactly. And now this, this week, the defense is over there. Everyone's trying to carry their own weight for 45 minutes, and the O-line nowhere to be found. So if I'm, if I'm hearing, your, hearing you correctly, it sounds like – uh, the Iowa is not a perfect. There isn't a perfect game all around for the Iowa football team. If one unit is shining, it seems like the other one is is underperforming. As like you said, I mean the defense. I mean the defense. That first half, what only allowing ten points, a couple big possession, uh, big stops. Um, yeah, it's. I I think I, I do like that analogy. I can't say I've I've heard that one before, but uh, yeah, that is. Uh, a, I guess a good way to describe the Iowa football team in this past. Two, two, three years, honestly. The defense, like you said, the defense can't be out there for 45 minutes and be able to withstand all that weight and, and try and score defensive touchdowns. Because 45 minutes is like a game and a half of actual football that they should have been playing. Yeah, kind of getting uh, back back on topic. Um, you're saying with the troubles with the offensive line. And is, it, is this due to, I know there's been a lot of, Switches like a lot of people switching positions. Um, I mean, coming into the season, I think there was three starters who were a different position than they were last year. Um, do you think that's just like the inexperience or uh, the people online? Because I mean, I mean, 
think Dunker's the only one who's who hasn't started multiple games going into the season. So the thing about inexperience, I mean, I don't really want to say that they're inexperienced because Kirk has said all off season and the beginning of the year, we've matured so much. We have experience now, like all that. And I said on last week's podcast, like this would be the game to show if the offensive line has improved at all and can compete with, you know, the best teams in the country. Um, it could have been just a bad night, but that's being very kind. So, right. Yeah, and I think uh, that has been echoed what you were saying. Uh, the chemistry has grown amongst the O linemen, like you said, from Kirk. That's kind of been echoed from a lot of the other, like the starters. And yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think we're four games into the season. And, you know, like I said, a lot of experience last year. I know they might have been in the same positions they're playing currently, but uh, a lot of reps last year. And it's just, yeah, you think by this point the the line will be clicking. But I don't want to give t- – I don't want to take away too much from the Penn State defense. Um, but, uh, yeah, talented defense and um, I think an overall talented squad as well. Sorry, I just, I just, I just. Kenna's saw, looking at my phone right now for some no, reason. No, I just. She's, Sabina sent us a message. She's snooping in my text. <laughs> I just say? saw my name, so and I so I was know. like. So you started scrolling through my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I say? just. She just said. Normally we can take the. Oh, something about Carlos. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Here, wait, can I take your phone off of this? It's not yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, can I send in a Shane Beery staff photo? I will do that today. Okay. I saw this uh, tweet where it was like, have you seen the, I can't remember what it was. It was like, put Spencer Petrus in or something like that. It's like yeah. the Arthur Fist and it's like Spencer Petrus right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, was it at his best game of his career? I mean, I know the he played well against um, the 2021 season. But yeah, he's, uh, it is kind of weird that the last, I mean, he, is, he was the starting quarterback for, uh, uh, like the last two Iowa wins, like I think yeah. over Penn State. So he's uh it is kinda it is is interesting that you brought that up. Um but uh yeah, I mean in I think one of the highlights of the game I will say, um it did look like an, an a regular Iowa game with the punning uh being on point. Of course Tory Taylor showcased why he is one of the best at what he does um in college football. Um yeah, I mean, I just think it was already a tough game to come in with, and there was just a lot of mistakes, and it showed 31-0, blowout. Can we talk about the Oregon-Colorado debacle? Uh, yeah, that was, that was, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the, everyone, all the Coach Prime haters are really just have been looking forward to this, and uh, been looking forward to Colorado to lose. And Oregon's a talented team, and they're just, it's a, high-powered, ex- explosive offense. And I think just they were out, kind of outmatched from the jump. Um, I don't know. I just I will say I, I find it interesting how people are getting so offended by uh, Coach Prime, his, some of his antics. That's kind of what he's been doing his whole career and as a player. And he's not really taken away from any of the teams that he plays. But, um, I mean, you know, with the, the Oregon coach, obviously the they're chasing clicks, we're chasing greatness or whatever. I don't know. I thought it was a – he definitely – practice rehearsed that uh statement before um i don't know i just i thought it was he was talking to himself in the mirror yeah 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 and i'm not the biggest like i think it's kind of annoying that how much uh publicity colorado's been getting i mean just because kind of because of 
Deion Sanders, but yeah, that's just my uh, two cents on the matter. I was going to mention um, what the Oregon coach said too, and I, I thought it was kind of ironic because Oregon has like a hundred different uniform combinations and like they're all about like showing off and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I um, their their whole her whole deal is kind of just to show off their cool new Nike toys and gear. Um, but uh, yeah, tough tough one for for Coach Prime in Colorado. Um, and it kind of continues next week, and uh, I think it's a I think it's USC on the road or another playing USC. So um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Colorado football, personally. I think they're yeah. bringing, like, the energy back. That's what we need. We need Coach Prime to come to Iowa City. I don't want Kirk Ferentz to be fired, Don't so don't take that the wrong way. I think it's not a Kirk Ferentz issue. But if we did have Coach Prime, hypothetically, I think that would just totally, like, infuse some juice into Iowa City that we need. I feel like everyone's so bored now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it'd be very interesting. It's very interesting to see the – how those two coach Kirk Ferentz and, and Coach Prime Deion Sanders? Um, I don't know if I think Ferentz kind of fits the Iowa the mold. I don't know if I don't know if Coach Prime would. Uh, What's the Colorado mold? There wasn't really. I wasn't mean, one. there wasn't really one. <laughs> but Pro, but I don't, I don't. I don't think I. I don't think Colorado has uh, as a storied legacy in college football as Iowa. They're really good. They're pretty good in the nineties. Um, shout out Eric Bieniemy. Um, but yeah. What else? Ha- what else happened this uh, this weekend in in, uh, in college football? Um, Ohio State Notre Dame. Yes. yes. My sister goes to Notre Dame. I shouted her out on the pregame. Uh, she was fond of that. Just want to throw that in there. Hi, Kira. Um, you guys can cut that. You know. Um, <laughs> what is the point of saying <laughs> it then? <laughs> um, that game was. Like, it looked exactly like an Iowa football game, to be honest, for, like, the first uh, three quarters. But at the end, honestly, I was standing up in front of the TV. I was excited to watch. Um, I kind of wanted Notre Dame to win. Um, but I don't know. You just can't you can't stop Marvin Harrison and company. Is it safe to say that your sister is a smart one in the family? Got to Notre Dame? She is smarter than me, yes. Okay. But I have more street smarts. And if, ah. if you want to go into that, we can go into that. But – I yeah. think it would be wise if we didn't right now, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a very low, it was a surprisingly low scoring game, um, and yeah, it just uh, Ohio, Ohio State pulled it off at the last second touchdown. Um, you know, we're talking about uniforms earlier. Do you happen to see the? What are your thoughts on? You guys see the, the Kelly Green um, Irish ones? Or? I am a big fan of the gold helmets, and I don't mind like the kind of I don't know what would you call it like a Irish green. Irish, yeah, Irish green. green, yeah, I think it's a thing. Um, but I actually do have another take, and that's uh, Penn State has probably the most hideous football uniforms in NCAA. And the most hideous mascot. And the mascot. I would punch that mascot in the face. Mm. Mm. I'd snap him over my leg. That's how much it's – that's how ugly it is. There's no, like – there's no iconicness. Is that a word? There's no icon – what's the word? Iconic icon, I don't know. There's no uh, – <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> know what I'm saying. Um, I will say if, uh, you know, Iowa-Penn State was a matchup was between two mascots, I definitely think that uh, Herky would take it over um, the Nittany Lion. I don't know what his name is, the Nittany Lion. What's the name is. What even is that? 
I don't know, but yeah, you're, you're, I think snapping over their knee, their, your knee, like you said, uh, strong strong words. Uh, oh. He is kind of a, a slimmer mascot. He's not the most <laughs> bulked up uh, lion. Um, but uh, I don't. I, I find it interesting. I kind of like their uh, color combination. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's the, it's not the, the color. One. It's not the color combo. But it's like it's literally just here throwing this navy t-shirt. That's yeah. what their uniform is. Yeah, Iowa. Iowa had some those unis where they, they just put on the black. They Iowa can pants. do some combinations. Like what even is a Penn State? I don't even know if I've ever seen a Penn State alternate uniform. Maybe some all whites, all blue. Um, yeah. Yeah, but they have they have a talented team. A lot of uh, I think they said the, uh, they were talking a lot of talk about the left tackle, um, one of the best prospects. Um, so definitely uh, definitely a game. A lot of NFL scouts were uh, were keeping an eye on, and uh, I think we uh, could talk about a little bit about some some NFL games happening currently. Uh, we're recording this course on Sunday. Uh, a lot of NFL action happening currently, and um, including two former Hawkeyes. Making big plays, uh, and we're talking, of course, of Detroit Lions tight end Sam Porta catch, recording his first career touchdown, and then middle linebacker Jack Campbell who recorded his first sack in the tr- Detroit Lions game against the Atlanta Falcons, which is still going on. Uh, full disclosure, I am a Lions fan, so uh, it's great to see that, and it's always good to see former Hawkeyes shine in the league. I don't really have an NFL team, so, like, I just like to watch Iowa players and, you know, whoever I liked in college. Um, So it's always good to see Iowa players doing well, especially, like, Sam Laporta and Jack Campbell because they're just good people. Yeah. And they were always nice to talk to. Uh, Did you guys see that in the Oregon – or not the Oregon game, Notre Dame and Ohio State, Notre Dame only had 10 players on the field the last two plays? Only 10 players. Mm -hmm. I don't know how – oh, and I saw the coach. I don't know if it was the offensive coordinator or the head coach, but he was like, we didn't want to get a penalty. So we we saw that we had 10, but we didn't want to get a penalty. It would have moved them like half a yard up. Yeah. So – I don't know, coach. I don't know if that's the the correct response there. You kind of have to know, uh, you know, how many players you have on the field, especially in the – like that, they were up the entire. They were, they were you know, had success that that game. Last week, the Swarm Collective, which is the University of Iowa's NIL collective, it was created last year by Brad Heinrichs. It it was just geared toward men's and women's basketball and football, but it was announced that they will offer NIL opportunities to all twenty two um, Hawkeye athletic teams, which is great news. Um, I mean, for the smaller sports to get some opportunities to make some money off their name, image, and likeness. Like, we have a number one field hockey team right now. They deserve to get some, you know, opportunities to make some money for themselves, too. So I think that's great news. And that just shows Beth gets, you know, she knows what she's doing with NIL. She, Gary Barta, you know, he just, he didn't get it. And he didn't want to do anything with NIL. He didn't want you know, Iowa to post about it on social media just to, like, even uh, advocate for the Swarm and tell people to, you know, become a member. But Beth Getz has been in constant contact with Brad Heinrichs. And when I talked to Heinrichs a few weeks ago, he said that she's just been so helpful and is completely on board with NIL. And in this day and age of college football, 
Um, that's what Iowa needs in an athletic director. And, yeah, Iowa's going to need to uh, keep up in terms of NIL, especially next year when Oregon and Washington and those teams come into the Big Ten. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, this addition will only help Iowa in its recruiting for having people come here. If uh, Obviously, in the sports that you mentioned, uh, if they have opportunities for NIL. Um, and, yeah, I think this is kind of just the new normal in collegiate athletics. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think it's, it shows a lot of what the um, – of the future of UI athletics on, on what, what they're trying to achieve and what accomplish with this move. So I agree. Give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. Right. Anyway, so our next segment, we'll be talking to a student who's been catching a lot of attention on the university of Iowa campus. And of course, talking about the 33 year old Billy Stoinoff, uh, sports direct management junior living at Reno. Um, and he's become yeah, kind of a local celebrity here on campus and uh, big sports fan, big Iowa athletics fan. And, uh, yeah, let's go into our uh, conversation with uh, Billy now. Now we're here with Billy Stoinoff. He's a 33-year-old transfer student who lives in the dorms, and he's gone pretty viral on TikTok around campus. So how are you doing, Billy? I'm good. Thank you for having me. All right, first, we just wanted to ask you, when did you start following Iowa football? Um, I started fo- following Iowa football probably the early 2000s. Like, the earliest memory I have of Iowa football is, uh, like, the 2002 season with Brad Banks. So, yeah, that's when I started following Iowa football. What was special about that season? I mean, that was the year I was born, so I wasn't – I don't think I was – I don't remember <laughs> it too well, so. Uh. Um, it was special because – um, our only loss, unfortunately, I think was to Iowa State, and we ended up going to the Orange Bowl um, versus USC. That was the year that Carson Palmer beat Brad Banks for the Heisman, and then USC ended up winning that game, but uh, it was a pretty special season. I read that you won, like, a JUCO National Championship. Is that right? Yes, as, a, as, a, as a coach, yeah. Oh, that's um, right. I didn't play. Again, I'm 33 years old, so playing junior college football against yeah. a bunch of 18 to 20-year-olds wasn't yeah. in the cards for me. Okay. Uh, but we didn't have a tight ends coach there, and so uh, I got the opportunity to coach the tight ends, uh, and we ended up winning a national championship, which was their back-to-back national championships, and this year they're going for a third straight, so. Pretty cool. So this was recent that you yeah. were oh, okay. So yeah, I was under was, the impression that you played in it. No, you coached it. Yeah, this oh. was last last year, the 2022 season. And you were a student there at the same time. I right? was, yes. Okay, so you got your associates, I'm assuming. Correct. Okay. Yep. And now you're here. And now I'm here as a for, junior. Okay, yep. so you're technically a standing junior, but you quote unquote live kind of like a first year. Correct. So tell me kind of like about that, like the experience as a quote unquote freshman, despite being 33 years old. Um, it's been a little weird for me to begin with because I was getting asked what dorm my kids lived in and all that stuff. Um, and then I don't, I keep getting called a freshman by people like when I go out and stuff, I'm like, I don't really know where that started. Apparently people don't know what a transfer student is, but no, I, uh, I graduated with my associate's degree. And so, um, the dorms were the best option because rent in Iowa city is kind of high. And so it saves money on cable and Wi-Fi and all that stuff that the university provides. And so. That's why I chose to live in the dorms. And do you still, you eat at 
the dining halls and like Hillcrest? I do, yeah. What, I eat at Hillcrest for most of my meals, yeah. What's your go-to meal there? Um, I do love the chicken quesadillas. Okay. They I've never get them made. I've never had Hillcrest. But. Yeah, I lived in Hillcrest. Do they still have on Sundays like the breakfast bowl? Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's... Yep, they do. Yeah, and I got to ask, was like, was Reno, did you choose Reno or was that kind of like where you ended up? My first choice was Hillcrest because I, I lived in Iowa City in 2008 and all my friends went to Iowa and they all lived at Hillcrest. And so Hillcrest was the one that I was most familiar with. And so that was my first choice, but they didn't have any single dorm rooms available when I went to choose. And I wanted to live on the west side of campus because it's close to all the sports. And so Reno was the one that had a single available. And so that's why I ended up there. So you visited the dorms like before? Uh, I've, yeah, I have, yeah. How, how was it like, you know, obviously visiting when... Um, like some of your friends were like going to school here, and then now as I guess you're going, you're like currently going to college here. It brings back a lot of memories, to be honest with you. Uh, I guess how much has like changed, like from then to, to so, now. So, so Peterson didn't exist. Um, the pharmacy building that's right across from Reno didn't exist. It was the old quad that was there, um, and kids lived there when I was here in 2008. So, yeah, a lot has changed. A lot of new buildings. Going back even before coming here, way before, even like 2008, what was the decision now to come back to Iowa City? Like, what about the past experience with Iowa was like, okay, I kind of want to go back to Iowa? So, Iowa wasn't my first choice coming back to school. Um, the program I was in at College of DuPage was a two plus two program with, it was associated with Northern Illinois University. And so, all the classes that I took at College of DuPage were what NIU was telling me to take. And, uh, like I said, I grew up an Iowa fan. My, my family's from the state of Iowa, and I told my dad that I'd be doing myself like a disservice if I didn't at least apply to Iowa. And so I applied, I got in, and I was like, all right, well, I grew up an Iowa fan. Like, my, my parents have season tickets for men's and women's basketball. They've had them for many years. And so I was like, all right, well, this kind of changes things, and so here I am. And you're from, did you go to high school outside of Chicago? I, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, yeah. Which one? So West Chicago is what, the town. What high school did you go West to? West Chicago High School. Okay. Yeah. I went to Prospect, if you know where that is. Yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, that's yep. where I'm from. Okay. So they're, they're Iowa kids, though. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you mind just, like, kind of going back before you applied to schools and you were just, like, thinking about going like going back to school, I guess, can you kind of talk to me, like, a little bit about, like, what was your, like, what was your motivation to do that or, like, what encouraged you to come back to school? Um, I kind of woke up one morning and decided that I didn't want to be doing my job that I had been doing for six. I was doing marketing for an apparel company. I did that for six years and, uh, I was doing all their social media stuff. Um, and so I woke up one morning and I just decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do long term. And I didn't have a problem doing the social media. That wasn't the thing, but it was social media for like an apparel company and like what we were doing. And that is not what I wanted to do. And I've always had a passion for sports and director of football operations for a college was kind of what popped into my head. And I was like, okay, what do I have to do to make this happen? And so I applied to school the next day. Right. So. Interesting. Um, go ahead. Uh, I've seen on your TikTok this NCAA rule <laughs> that you can't be a student manager. Can you just explain that rule and how, how that whole process is going? So the rule states that in order to be a student manager on the NCAA level for anything other than men's or women's basketball, you have to be within seven years of your first entrance to college. And my first entrance to college was in 2008 when I was at Kirkwood Community College. And even though it was a community college, the NCAA still follows that rule 
that you you can't be with you have to be within your first seven years of your first entrance to college. And I brought that rule up at the compliance meetings. I was planning on being a student manager for the softball team this year, and uh, apparently it doesn't work out that I can't, I can't do it. The school would have to put in a waiver request for me. I just found that out the other day, which I think is doable. So um, next year I should be a student manager for one of the teams here. Um, I've had a lot of requests by some different athletes for different teams that we want you as a student manager for our team. Like, and so we'll see what happens. But I think if the school would put in a waiver request for me that uh, it could, it could, it could happen. So is football your go-to sport or it sounds like you're a, you're a, Baseball, basketball fan. What's if you had to pick one, what would you pick? I'm a college sports fan in general, but if I had to choose one, it would be football. Um, but I am a huge college sports fan overall. Did you play tight end in high school? I was a wide receiver tight end in high school. Okay, yeah. cool. What's like your? Uh, would you, who's like model your game by as a tight end? Like who were you as a tight end? Like a Travis Kelsey, like receiving or like a? So before George Kittle came along, um, I really liked uh, Greg Olson. Uh, but now I see, like, past parts of what I used to do. Like, I really love how George Kittle plays his game. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you ever met him? I have never met George Kittle. That would be a fantastic honor. But, yeah. He likes to come back to Iowa City. I know uh, a couple of my buddies met him at a bar downtown. Oh, really? But, yeah, I mean, now would be a stretch for him to come out here. Oh, yeah, definitely. The off season, yeah. Um. I just wanted to go back to just the fact that, you know, it's like your first year and, and you're, you're blending in so much in Iowa City. So how would you say you've been received? Like, give me like a story about how well received you've been by the community in general. I don't have like one particular story. I was just like, when I when I first got here, I was kind of scared. I was like, okay, I'm living with like 18-year-olds. There's 18-year-old there's girls in this dorm and all that stuff. And I was worried about how they were the ones that was going to receive how me being there and all that stuff. Um, but everyone, everyone's been cool. Everyone's like accepted me and all that stuff. And like, they just treat me like another student. Um, but yeah, I was more worried. I wasn't more worried about like the guys in the dorm and stuff like that, because I've been around coaching. I've been around 18 to 20 year old old guys and stuff like that. Um, I was more worried about like, are these girls that are living in the storm going to feel comfortable like with an adult living in the dorms? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And how has, like, you, like, come to, like, I don't know, like, process this, like, kind of new, like, fame, I guess you have? I mean, I, I mean, what's it like just walking around, like, campus or um, just in, like, downtown Iowa City, I guess? So I have been asked for, like, a lot of pictures and stuff, and I, I try to take as many pictures with people as possible because, I mean, if it makes them happy, then that's what I'm, what I'm here for. Um, I just try to be me. It hasn't really changed who I am or anything like that, but I just try to be me, and that's it. Yeah. Definitely, and I've, I mean, I think I've seen from the, at the, covering the football games from the press box, it seems like whenever they, they show, like, the student section, it's always, always spot you. I don't know, like, <laughs> do you, do you get, like, uh, pretty good seats or, like, for the, the front row? Or? So, I've been front row the last two games, um, mostly because I, I remember what we used to do when I lived here in 2008, which be, be early and be front row. Um, so I'm there early for every single games. You have to get there early if you want front row. Uh, so for like an 11 a.m. game, I was there in line at 7 a.m. So, wow, yeah, dedication. <laughs> <laughs> so does the TikTok fame? I know, um, like usually the kind of notion is that 
like you get famous and people almost like start to bother you. Does that, do you ever feel like, okay, I kind of wish that I didn't blow up. I wish I wasn't so popular on campus. So no, I don't wish that anything, I love how it's been. I don't wish anything would be different. Um, I sometimes like when I'm walking through, like if I'm out at night or whatever, and like I'm walking through like a bar or whatever, um, someone will like grab me. And that's the one thing that like I have an issue with. Like, if you want to say hi, like that's cool, but like, don't grab me. That's a little weird for me, but like, no other issues other than that. Everyone's been cool. And you got ID'd a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah. Where was that at? Um, so if, if I haven't been to a bar before, like I don't know the person, then they're going to ID me even though yeah. like, some people, like obviously most people in the city don't know who I am. It's uh-huh. a it's a small majority that know who I am. Um, so I, I don't remember exactly where we were, but yeah, they asked for my ID. And I was like, here you go, it's 1989. <laughs> Have you ever... Uh, like gone up to a bouncer and they've been like, "Oh, it's it's Billy. I know you're the 33 year old transfer student. Like you're good to go in." Yes, or is I it have. always. Yeah, oh, okay. no, that has happened. Okay. Um, people have recognized me, like bouncers, bartenders, all that stuff. Cool. Yeah. Do you ever get any free drinks? Not. No. I mean, if someone buys me a drink, like another okay. patron, but that that has happened. But no, really? like, yeah. Huh. Yep. Awesome. That'll save you a lot of money <laughs> if you can <laughs> if you can rack them up enough. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I was uh, circling back to the sports. I guess I know you said your first uh, memory was in t- that 2002 season. Yeah. Um, I guess just since then, do you have any, like, highlights, uh, like a favorite, like, Iowa football moment or Iowa sports moment like, since then? Uh, the Caitlin Clark-Indiana shot last year was pretty cool. But prior to that, um, I think the Minnesota game in 2015, when the blackout game, um, and then – what was it, 2005, Drew Tate's pass against LSU in the Capital One Bowl. Those were all oh, yeah. pretty high, pretty much my highlights. So, Did you go to grapple on the gridiron in 2015? I was there, yep, because that was before the Minnesota game. So. Will you be at crossover at Kinnick? I will also be at that one. Front yep. row? I, hopefully. Okay, <laughs> cool. How, how close of attention are you going to pay to the Iowa women's team this year? Um, like I said, I'm a huge college sports fan, so mm-hmm. – it, it women's women's sports in general. I, I love what the basketball team and like women's sports in general has become over the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I pay pretty close attention to all those teams. Cool. Yeah, I guess what what is your thoughts on the I guess the current football season? Like the team, I know we're coming off a pretty pretty tough loss uh, against Penn State, but yeah, just your. Um, I see this team like maybe doing some special things. Um, last night kind of hurt a little bit. Um, but it's not to say that we can't turn things around. We have Michigan State next who has had their struggles, and I think that that is an opportunity for Iowa to kind of right the ship. All right, thanks so much for Billy coming on. Now we're going to look ahead to the Michigan State game. It is a 6.30 p.m. kickoff at Kinnick. It'll be televised on NBC and the lines came out today. Iowa is a six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Spartans, and the over-under is 38. What are your first thoughts on this game? I think that the Hawkeyes need to go into Kinnick Stadium and put up Wilt Chamberlain numbers to save their, not necessarily their season, but like kind of their, not that the image in the public eye matters, but almost like momentum. Like if you go in and, the final score against Michigan State is 10-7. to 7. You're going to go into the next 
handful of games. You got to play Wisconsin. You eventually got to play Illinois. Teams that are pretty solid on the defensive end. You kind of need some momentum against a team like Michigan State and Mel Tucker's absence, which I don't even know if we should get into, but um, you need to like kind of take advantage of that. Especially this team just got routed by the little tug of Wailoa. So right. I don't know. I think now's the time to step step up and put up those prime Wilt Chamberlain numbers to get the momentum going back for the second leg of the season. So are you saying uh, Iowa Hawkeyes offense has scored zero points is looking to score close to 100 points? 100. As 100, as Wilt Chamberlain did. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yes. Or his average in, like, 1965, which would be, yeah. like, 52. Is that, yeah, his stat line where yes. it's, like, 50. Yeah, okay. Um, I actually I agree. I think uh, I think Iowa needs this needs this win um, in terms of morale. Um, after that, it, it just call it what it was. It was a beating by Penn State. Um, I think they need this uh, win for morale, just as much as Michigan State, of course, for everything that's happened in their program over the last. Uh, I mean, just since the season started. Um, so yeah, I expect this to be a pretty close game. Um, you know, Michigan State's. Um, Defense is pretty pretty solid, I guess, in terms of the uh, terms of the Big Ten, um, and yeah, they have a you know decent quarterback. Uh, they need to, but they need to really get uh, something going in the run game. That is one area they've struggled uh, in. So, yeah, I was um, I was run defense has been very solid this year. They did not give a, up a rushing touchdown against Penn State, right? And they. Yeah, they haven't the whole year. Um, so, I mean, I feel pretty confident in terms of stopping Michigan State's run game. Um, I think it's really it's going to be more about what Iowa does, not what Michigan State does. Um, limiting turnovers, penalties. I mean, the offensive line, hopefully they can figure something out. I don't know. Um, but – I expect it to be a close game. I think a night game atmosphere in Kinnick, those are always great games. Um, and Iowa usually comes out on top in those, but I don't know. With how the offense is playing right now, I'm just I'm not too sure about anything. I think I think we'll cover six and a half though. I think so as well. Um yeah, I mean, I think like Iowa, Michigan State always tend to play each other pretty, pretty competitively, um, and uh, yeah, you know, like you said, night game atmosphere, uh, big time, big time environments. So um, yeah, I think it should be uh, really a uh, fairly good game. What are your thoughts, Colin? I think whether or not you look at the last, uh, the last three games. Four games, right? Yeah, they're three and one. Four games, and you sit, you know, you sit down at six thirty for this game. Um, I think you'll still, these fans will still come out for a for a night game. They know, a the night game atmosphere at Kinnick is just different. It's just it's just different than an eleven a.m. or a two thirty. These college kids get to booze all day. Then they go to the football game. They're gonna want to do that, obviously. Um, and there's just just on the football side of things, there's still there's still potential. I think the the offense hasn't touched half of what it could this season, and I don't think the defense has touched half of what it could. I think we're still waiting for a Cooper DeGene pick six from the 
opponent's two-yard line, um, something like that. Uh, and, and I think that potential is there, and that's what fans want to see at 6.30 p.m. In, in Kinnick Stadium. So, you know, I don't think anything will change. It's just whether or not we can play, they can play um, the, the true Iowa football way. Yeah, I mean, Iowa fans are pretty loyal, and even though there's a lot of uh, heat going on on Twitter against Brian and the whole football team, Kinnick's going to be packed and sold out. It's a blackout. Um, it's going to be a great atmosphere. But I did. I was scrolling on Twitter earlier today, and this is just kind of sad. Um, Michigan State's linebacker, Harold Joyner, his dog went missing. <laughs> his dog went missing. Um, he was he – was, the dog was at the uh, Michigan State football game, the last game, last Saturday. Whose dog went missing? The Michigan State linebacker? Yes. Why and was the dog at Penn State? You know, no, 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 not Penn State. At Michigan State's last game. Oh. Did I mishear that? Probably. Oh, um, but this is what his Instagram story <laughs> post said. It said, my dog is missing in the East Lansing area. He was at the MSU football event. When the band near the exit tunnel spooked him, he got loose and ran off. He's an all-black pit mix with a white chest. And then he put his number. But that's just kind of sad, and... I hope he finds his dog before the Iowa game so he can kind of focus on the game instead of his dog. If my dog went missing, I would not be able to focus on anything else. Do you have a name for the dog? I don't think so. Yeah. But it's pretty cute. Whoa. That is, that is a pretty adorable dog. He has the off-white collar, too. That's a flex. So, <laughs> um, someone, uh, yeah, I just have a lot of questions, you know. Who <laughs> was watching the dog? Do all players, Michigan State players, can they bring their dogs to the games? Michael Vick. Right. Easy. Oh. Easy. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you said Michael Vick, bro. <laughs> um, Michael yeah, Vick so. To the game. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just, I have, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of questions, but um, at the end of the day, it seems like a pretty serious matter. I hope um, the player finds his dog. Um, Let's not I actually. <laughs> Yeah, that's Why not. Are you laughing? I'm not laughing. Okay, good. It's not funny. Uh, I will say I actually um, returned two dogs to their owners yesterday. Did right. you? Yes, All right, they, Superman. How did that? Yes. How did that happen? They. I uh, was visiting my parents in in uh, while I was leaving. Two dogs, twin. I think they're brothers or sisters. Were in their back. <laughs> they're in their <laughs> backyard. <laughs> they're better brothers. Yeah. Uh, that's good I mean, look. I'm not. Li- I'm being serious. I'm being 100% <laughs> serious. I brought them to their owners, and Dude, why are you I feel doing better side quests right now? I'm just, we're talking, we they were brought talking dogs. about dogs. You yeah. put the campaign down, you're doing, <laughs> you're no, brought, I, mean, I mean you as yeah, a person. Yeah, yeah. I had to do it, I mean. Before you could get to the I next level? I was going to say, someone had to do it. That's actually why I missed part of the Iowa game. Uh, I missed, like, the second quarter. I missed, like, part of the first second quarter, so um, we were going to turn a dog. So, um. Good human doing his civic duty. Yeah, what so kind of dog? Civic duty? That's voting, not returning the dog. <laughs> what kind yeah. of dogs were they? Uh, they're like some mutts. I'd say they're hunting dogs. So, um, yeah, but it was a, it was um sometimes. But I'm just saying that to um, to, you know, 
spread some some luck to this player. Hopefully, he finds his dog and uh, yeah, find it for him. I won't be able to find his dog for him. No. Right. So you're not Superman. No. Okay, let's just do our score predictions. Now. Glad we got to gas you up on the on the <laughs> podcast just yeah, now. Keep that in the whole dog saver yeah. Superman over here. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna transition into our score predictions for the Iowa Michigan State game. I'm gonna say Iowa twenty four, Michigan State ten. I'm gonna go uh, Michigan State. I don't know. I feel like we're gonna have a chip on our shoulder. I'm gonna go. They're gonna have a chip on their shoulder. Sorry. Um, I'm gonna go Michigan State ten. Iowa. I'm gonna throw a safety in there. I'm gonna go thirty to ten. Iowa. Wilt Chamberlain numbers. Right, and uh, I think it will be a classic, uh, classic Iowa game. Of course, uh, I think defense going to put some points on the board early. Uh, I say twenty-seven to fourteen. I think that was a score of an earlier game, but uh, yeah, we could keep the keep it going for this game, Iowa. <laughs> This episode of Pressbox Banter was hosted by Kenna Roaring, Colin Votsmeyer, and Cooper Worth, and produced by Natalie Dunlap. Be sure to tune in next week for more.